And welcome to the new year. 2024 is upon us. Yes, I know it's the fourth day of January, but here we are in Puro Pelka with a full podcast today. I expected to be here on the first day of the year. However, I had to do a couple of radio shows and then Tuesday happened and the flu is everywhere. So I'm doing fill-ins for the great Dom Giordano on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then today, here we are with a podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Now, if, um, if you were up early and you can't wait until podcasts hit the internet, you can always look at the stories that are catching my attention. I usually post them around 6 a.m. East Coast time. And those are all at pureopelka.com, pureopelka.com. There are no ads there either. And we're not scraping your information. So you can go there. It's just my contribution. A lot of radio guys use it for preparation. Today, we'll try and get to some of the news of the day, make some predictions ahead of the weekend, and we're going to talk to Wendy Patrick, our friend, about the new laws and some of the crazy food court stories that are out there. So stay tuned for that as well. Let's do a little history before we get into the breaking news of the day. 1493, Columbus came home after his uh, first voyage to the New World. I wonder what he brought back. He went, you know, looking for spices, and he found, uh, he found North America, you know. 1847, Samuel Colt sold his first revolvers to the U.S. government. And wouldn't you like to have one of those in your collection? I would. 1863, New Yorker James Plimpton got a patent for a four-wheeled roller skate. Hmm. And I guess he had to wait about 115 years for disco to show up so we could have disco skating parties. 1896, Utah joined the Union, number 45. In uh, 1974, it was on this day that Richard Nixon told the Watergate Committee to pound sand he was not turning over the tapes, the tapes that would eventually be part of his undoing. In 1995, on this date, the GOP took control of Congress, and that was the first time in 40 years. Let's hope we don't lose control again when the election rolls around. Was it 307 days from today? Yeah, that'll be here in a minute. In 1999, it got weird in the governor's mansion in Minnesota as Jesse the Body Ventura, yeah, a wrestling guy, was sworn in as the governor in Minnesota. He's since moved to Mexico, I think, and living off the grid, if you will. In 2007, Nancy Pelosi took the gavel in the House and smashed the glass ceiling, becoming the first female Speaker of the House. And she's not the Speaker, but she's still there. She's still there and and surprisingly quiet these days. I wonder why. And in uh, 2010, the Burj Khalifa opened the Burj Khalifa, the tallest man-made structure in the world. That's in Dubai. I have not been there. I would like to see it, but I don't know if I want to endure the travel all the way to Dubai. That's a long-ass flight, I'm just saying. All right, let's look at the the news, get into some of the commentary on this. Um, I I don't really care about the uh, release, the limited release of the names and the information for the Jeffrey Epstein story. I want all of it. Don't cherry pick it for us. Give it all to us. And I, I think people are working on that. But until we get all of it, 
It's uh, just being filtered for us. And I don't want filters. I want the whole Megillah. We already knew Bill Clinton likes him young. Big deal. The Michael Jackson thing, having dinner at uh, Epstein's California house, was new. But uh, give it all to me. Don't hold back. Let us have it. We had some um, some interesting legal news. Donald Trump's team, as expected, filed the Colorado uh, ballot ban uh, appeal to the Supreme Court. We'll see if that gets picked up quickly. Uh, a bunch of GOP House members went down to visit the border. Some call it a stunt. Some call it a great move. I think it's a little bit of both. And if a stunt makes the Democrats talk about it, if a stunt makes more people aware of it, more power to it, this thing is really bad for the country. And what it's doing, uh, Representative Thomas Massey yesterday proposed an amendment to the Constitution that would eliminate the ability of a state to use illegal people who are present in that state to count for its congressional representation. You know, we apportion the seats in the House of Representatives based on the people in the state, but it should be people who are citizens, in my opinion, and in Representative Massey's opinion. It should be citizens only that count. Otherwise, California and states that have massive amounts of people there illegally will be able to have more congressional representation, and that's not fair. At the same time, California has allowed now the illegal people in the state to receive free health care. And the number is staggering. It's about 700,000. That's going to put a multi-billion dollar bite into the budget of California. And I wonder what Californians are thinking about their schools and their roads, etc. When you think you are giving two plus billion dollars and more, I guess, to people who are in the country illegally and not contributing, just saying. Senator Menendez and the, the new information that came out uh, on him was kind of interesting. You know, we now know it wasn't just Turkey that he was playing around with. Uh, it also appears to be Qatar and the uh, Qatari government, apparently some Qatari businessmen were currying favor with Menendez, giving him expensive watches to make introductions. Sounds like what Hunter was doing, right? And uh, I guess all these Democrats have this playbook on how to squeeze money out of foreign governments and foreign business people by peddling influence. We'll see. We'll see if he ever gets his day in court the last time he got off on a technicality. But here's the weird part. Menendez's daughter, Alicia Menendez, is an aspiring journalist, television personality. And, of course, MSNBC has hired her. She was filling in for Nicole Wallace when the news broke. So she was in the anchor chair over at MSNBC and uh, cut away to say, hey, there's a there's breaking news. We'll give it to you just around the corner. And then when they they came back. She was gone. And they let Ari Melber break the news about the Bob Menendez corruption. Thank you so much for your expertise and for spending some time with us. Here's the We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with some breaking news right after this. Okay. And then they come back and... Hello, I'm Ari Melber with some breaking legal news. New Jersey United States Senator Robert Menendez now facing new allegations in a second 
superseding indictment that was filed by a federal grand jury from his DOJ prosecution. Now, here's the weird part about that. It, uh, the, it was not Ari Melber's time. He was five minutes early. So I'm sure Alicia Menendez went, I am not going to report on my father's indictment. That ain't happening. Just one of those wonderful, beautiful ironies that happens in this world. Looking at our situation with the billions and billions and billions of dollars that we and uh, many of our allies are funneling over to Ukraine, is it doing anything? Is it helping? Well, earlier this year, Germany donated, gave, handed off to Ukraine a bunch of their Leopard 2 tanks. And these were supposed to be the game changers. They were supposed to turn the momentum around in the summer. Well, all the tanks are broken or destroyed at this point. And this is one of my arguments. When we give money to Ukraine, when we hand them all this money, if there's nobody monitoring it or looking at the accountability, how do we know it's properly being used or spent? And the answer is we don't. Which is why I'm all in favor of not giving Ukraine any more money until we get controls on it. I'd rather see that money go to the border to stop the madness at the border. Hopefully we will. But the border is still uh, wide open, except for the parts of Texas where the razor wire is up, where those uh, flotation devices are in the river and where the uh, shipping containers are used to block the border. But the Biden administration keeps suing Texas saying we're going to take down the razor wire, we're going to take down the shipping containers. And by the way, if you start arresting people in the country illegally, we're, we're going to sue you for that too. It doesn't make any sense. And the other side of things, up in uh, New Jersey, where the people being bussed up to New York City are now stopping in New Jersey to jump on a transit train. New Jersey's freaking out, and they're using the police to prevent the migrant buses from stopping at their transportation hubs. I got to think this is uh, eventually going to wear on the people of New Jersey and the people of New York and the people of Chicago and Philadelphia and Denver who are realizing that this invasion, which is really what it is, is going to crush their local economies. So hopefully we'll, we'll see a resolution on that. But I'm very concerned that the five to eight million people who have crossed into this country under Joe Biden's watch, that those people are, are, are not going to be leaving here for years. Consider the fact that those who request amnesty, those who say they need asylum, they're going to have to wait until 2031 for a hearing. So what are they going to do? Who's going to support them? In Denver, you, you get your rent paid for the first month. Your rent is paid. They're guaranteeing housing. The same In New York, you're guaranteed housing as well. That's part of their sanctuary city laws. And uh, once the people are given a notice to get out after their interim time, there's nothing preventing them from getting back in line and signing up again. It is nuts. And meanwhile, we're all paying for it. In several different ways. And the deficits created, the problems and budgets creating are, are going to force 
many of these states, many of these cities, and maybe even the federal government to consider raising taxes, which, of course, will hurt everybody even more. And the Biden administration is telling us that Bidenomics is working. Inflation is now, uh, it's crumbling. It's still at 3%, which is still double or 50% higher than the target. And I'm sorry, I'm not believing the 3%. Why? Because Chick-fil-A is up 21% in two years. I'm just using a, a common metric here. If we look at this indicator, Chick-fil-A prices are up 21% in two years. That's not 3% inflation. And we look at the average U.S. household report that came out uh, late yesterday. The average U.S. household can only afford, if they were going to buy a home, the cheapest 16% of homes listed for sale. So you're talking about fewer homes than the bottom 20%. That's not a good sign. That is not a good sign at all, at all, at all. I'm watching the weather. Yeah, we were supposed to get some kind of a snowstorm. We haven't had snow in the Northeast. We live in Delaware. We haven't had significant snow in a couple of years. And earlier in the week, the weather people were losing their minds. Oh, there's a nor'easter coming. You're going to get six inches of snow. It looks like it might just go west of us. We might not get anything. But Joe Biden, I'm sure you've heard of him. Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., he's the president. He was scheduled to, to deliver a hate speech in Philadelphia on Saturday. He was going to once again push to divide the country, which is what he's going to try and do in order to win the election. And the speech was scheduled to happen near uh, Valley Forge. George Washington spent time there, remember, in the winter. But the, uh, the threat of a winter storm has forced Biden to move the speech to Friday. So he's not going to be in town on uh, Saturday as planned because of a possible winter storm. Uh, the comparison to George Washington is obviously entertaining to me. And then he is supposed to, he, Joe Biden, is supposed to take his campaign down to South Carolina and Georgia and trying to divide again. I'm sure he'll bring up... Uh, the torches, and he'll talk about the fine people on both sides, which is a lie. And he will bring up racial division, because that's all this administration has. Fear-mongering about January 6th, racial division. They don't have the economy. They don't have border security. They don't have international stability. It is a weak situation for an incumbent. But Joe Biden put out a new ad put out a brand new ad and uh, it shows the fear mongering. This is his very first campaign ad for 2024. And what worries me, if you're going to put out an ad featuring the candidate narrating it, you would want him to speak clearly. Would you not? Doesn't seem like Joe Biden is capable of that anymore. Even in a pre-produced campaign ad. Listen. I've made the preservation of American democracy the central issue of my presidency. I believe in free and fair elections. And the now, uh, just that first opening. I made the preservation of America. What? I know I'm picking on him, but, you know, he's the president of the United States. Check it out. I've made the preservation of American democracy the central issue of my presidency. I believe in free and fair elections and the right to vote fairly and have your vote counted. Now, 
that implies that if you don't vote for Joe Biden, you don't believe in free and fair elections. And you don't believe that every vote needs to be counted. Well, you know, come on. We all believe in free and fair elections. And if you did believe in free and fair fair elections, stop the mail-in drop box voting, sir. But continue. There's something dangerous happening in America. Is there? There's an extremist movement that does not share the basic beliefs in our democracy. I'll, I'll tell you about the extremist movement that doesn't share the basic beliefs in our democracy. It's the movement of secretaries of state and state Supreme Courts who would prevent a candidate from being available to get votes. That's a threat to democracy, sir. That's absolutely a threat to democracy. But, you know, I'm sorry I interrupted you. Go ahead, Joey. All of us are being asked right now, what will we do to maintain our democracy? History's watching. The world is watching. Most important, our children and grandchildren will hold us responsible. The vice president and I have supported voting rights since day one of this administration. And I ask every American to join me in this cause. America is still a place of possibilities where the power resides with we, the people. That's our soul. We are the United States of America. There is nothing beyond our capacity when we act together. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message. The end of that was the clearest thing he said. Why wouldn't you reproduce that commercial until you got the clarity? It's really befuddling to me. Befuddling. But that's the first uh, fear-mongering. The, the images also showed a lot of January 6th stuff going on. And let's face it, the anniversary of the killing of Ashley Babbitt, the only person who died on January 6th, is coming up. The Democrats look at this as a holy day, and they will forever try and fear-monger utilizing it. We still have yet to have gotten all of the information, all of the videos that should have been released showing what actually happened on January 6th. Hmm. I wonder when that's going to happen. I hope in my lifetime. You know, we haven't gotten all of the UFO tapes either, so I hope it happens in my lifetime. Uh, Joe Biden talked about some of the, uh, the, the craziness in our country, and I will tell you uh, the trans madness is really the problem. The diversity madness is the problem. And uh, how bad is the diversity thing? Are you old enough to remember it was the middle of last year when somebody brought up the idea that crash test dummies, crash test dummies, the thing they put in cars when they run them into walls and they have a bunch of sensors on them, that uh, there weren't enough crash test dummies of color. And we talked to Lauren Fix, the car coach, about it, and she, in fact, sent me a photo of herself sitting with a crash test dummy that was brown. So this was just the the latest craziness. Well, uh, this week we got the release of a CPR training video which talks about diversity in CPR training. You cannot make this up. Hey, welcome to Training Tip Tuesday. Today's training tip is going to be incorporate diversity into your CPR training. Diversity in bystander training is crucial to ensure all members of your community receive proper care and the attention that they need in an emergency. Now, uh, stopping this, it's only 30 seconds long, but I have to stop it halfway through. 
I have CPR certification in my past. We had to learn how to do cardiopulmonary resuscitation. I didn't get any instruction on it being different for people of different colors. Hmm. How, how are they going to work this in there, I wonder? By including diverse perspectives, we can better address the needs of different populations. How are there different needs? Everybody's heart's in the same place. Their lungs are in the same spot. Their mouth and nose are in the same spot. Everybody. CPR is completely colorblind, but these madness victims are they, they can't stop themselves if you're looking for a diverse cpr training mannequin my personal favorite is cpr taylor cpr taylor comes with male and female chest skins they come in two different skin tones light skin and dark skin this one is the dark skin so cpr taylor they have different colored cpr dummies the dummy is the person leading this training session, training Tuesdays. But, you know, the, the madness has just gotten out of control. Uh, we talked on radio earlier this week about Boxing USA allowing men pretending to be women to go into the ring and fight women. And it's going to take someone dying before this, this will stop. I guarantee you they're not going to stop it unless a woman is killed because a man pretending to be a woman punched her and killed her. And trust me, that's probably what's going to happen. And then and only then will the trans madness stop. And until then, it's going to continue. And I have to play this for you because this may be the nuttiest 30 seconds in, in the trans world this week. This is someone calls themselves Cody. I believe Cody is biologically female. I'm just saying, I don't know Cody. I haven't seen Cody in person. I don't know Cody's history. Nothing. But I believe Cody is biologically female, but considers themselves to be very different. I double dog dare you. No, I triple dog dare you to figure out what the hell is going on in Cody's video trying to explain who he, she, they, z, zem, who they are. Hi there. I'm Cody, pronouns E-M, er, ers, or Z-Zem, Zer-Zers, or really any male pronouns that aren't Z-Her-Her. I any male pronouns that aren't Z-Her? That's the first seven seconds. And again, biologically, physical appearance, I would think this is a female. But in their brain, where something is broken, something else is going on. I am a white, transmasculine, femme, non-binary, temporarily, mostly able-bodied, neurodivergent, obsessive, compulsive, chronically ill, culturally Jewish, unitarian, universalist, non-monogamous, demi-low romantic, gray demi-bisexual, survivor of acute and complex trauma, millennial, and cat parent in mental health recovery. What? I started thinking this has to be a joke, right? No, it, it apparently is not. And maybe the best part of that, the most hopeful part of that, is the ending where Cody says, in mental health recovery. Although I would deny that you have completed the recovery. I think you're somewhere in the very early stages. But go ahead and wrap it up for me, Cody. My identities are fluid and ever-changing and don't like boundaries. Yeah, that's apparent. 
don't like boundaries. You know what else you don't like? Reality. Apparently, you don't like reality. That is just uh, one of the most amazing things I saw this week. And it makes me realize that we aren't back yet. I know a lot of people are saying that where the pendulum is coming back. Well, if this happened this week, thank you, libs of TikTok, we're not even close to coming back. We're still somewhere way out on the far left, hoping to swing back towards the middle. Now, there were good signs, of course, as the uh, resignation of Harvard's president, Claudine Gay, was a good victory for common sense. But here's the other weird part of that. Professor Gay, as she will now be known, no longer President Gay, Dr. Gay, I guess we have to call her Dr. Gay, who knows, is still going to be employed by Harvard. And while she was making a million dollars a year as president only for six months, she still is going to be earning around $900,000 a year. She has paid no price except reputation and now has been declared a martyr as well. The left side of mainstream media is willing to accept uh, Dr. Gay's claim of victimhood, her op-ed, where she doubled down yesterday in the uh, New York Times. Absolutely, absolutely getting support from the mainstream media and its head racist, Joy Reid over at MSNBC. Why are these elite colleges capitulating to it and essentially making it so uncomfortable for these women leaders that they have to step down to be replaced by white men? Oh, we don't know if she's going to be replaced by a white man. I assume since she was only in the office for six months that there had been a search committee that was impaneled to provide her with her spot. And they picked her. So I'm thinking that maybe the runner-up, who probably also was a woman of color, a, the runner-up will be there, ready to go, and probably doing handsprings over the resignation of uh, Dr. Gay. But it wasn't about race. It was about plagiarism. It was about something that all the Harvard students have to follow. But apparently the president did not. And until they reach critical mass somewhere beyond 50 incidents of plagiarism, she was going to stay there forever. But when you have CNN's Matt Egan carrying water for you and saying, eh, it's not like real plagiarism, is it? These plagiarism allegations uh, where Claudine Gay has had to issue corrections, um, multiple corrections. Now, we should note that um, Claudine Gay has not been accused of stealing anyone's ideas in any of her writings. Uh, she's been accused of sort of a, more like a copying uh, other people's writings without attributions. Yeah, she did steal other people's ideas. Ask Dr. Carol Swain. She's one who'll raise her hand to go, uh, yeah, yeah. The other story that I stumbled into today, and it was sent to me by one of you, one of you very kind listeners sent me the tip on this, is um, something I asked the question, is this racist? A private Vermont-based company known as King Arthur Flower. A lot of you are probably bakers. You may use King Arthur Flower. Some have already written to me based on the Twitter post I put out there. King Arthur Flower is sponsoring a contest. They call it Baking Pitch Fest. And it's for small business bakers. 
and bakeries in the Northeast and Washington State only. It's only in the Northeast. So it's like Vermont, where they're headquartered, and I think New Hampshire, Connecticut, Massachusetts, New York, and New Jersey. So it's not for everybody. But it's also Washington State, which is kind of weird. And uh, there are two contests. One is for the bakery and or, or, or the baker, and one is for a product. So if you've come up with a product, the product can win, and then they will support it and make a big order for that product. But the baker thing, and both of these have the same restriction, and this is what bothers me. Uh, baking Pitch Fest, call, calling all bakers of color. You are only allowed to participate in the King Arthur Baking Company event if you are a person of color. That's racist to me. And I have a problem with it. I posted this earlier today asking the question, hey, is this, uh, is this racist? Because I think it is. And I've reached out to King Arthur to talk to them. I read on their Facebook page many of the posts that they have up uh, regarding the response to this. And they are basically saying, too bad. We don't care. I wonder if they're going to get the same kind of pushback that Bud Light got. I wonder if the bakers will step away. And, and my argument is, listen, if you're a baker and you've started a business, those are usually small businesses using this company's product. No big bakery out there, I think, no giant bakery is using King Arthur flour. I doubt it. I'd be very surprised. And these are typically tiny businesses. A lot of them are kitchen entrepreneurs. Many of them are women or men who are trying to get a little extra income in. And I don't think skin color should matter into it. But if I were to put up the Michael Pelka Flower Company, the entrepreneurial contest where I was offering a $10,000 prize and some professional guidance, uh, business guidance, and I said only white people can apply, don't you think I would be shut down in a minute? Absolutely. So I'm sorry, King Arthur, we are going to disagree on this one. I can't wait for them to block me on Twitter. Uh, I think it's probably going to be happening pretty soon. I'll keep you posted if we get any response to that. But so many of you are bakers. I, I've tried to become a baker. I, I don't have the chemistry knowledge to get it done. Just one of those things. I eventually will be a better baker. But so many of you who are bakers are just wizards in the kitchen. And uh, I think uh, a few of you who actually sell your baked goods out of your home, would you not be furious if you couldn't participate in this? I would name names here, but I don't want to embarrass anybody. Some brilliant bakers have sent me products and uh, their home creations in the past. In the world of politics, we're getting closer and closer to, of course, the first caucus and then a primary. Uh, I think it was a smart move by Fox to book Donald Trump at the same time that Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis will be in a, a face-off in a debate. But now I think uh, the networks are overdoing it with the town halls. Enough about the damn town halls. Let these people campaign, let them debate, and then let's get on with it. It seems like there's a town hall every single day. Nikki Haley, who had been rising, I think uh, last week she stepped in it with the slavery comment. Remember that debacle? And uh, it was her own doing, or undoing, if you will. 
she she made her bet on that one. And I think um, she well, here's here's the last thing she said, which I really think will be used like the uh, Jeb Bush, please clap moment for a long time. What do you want me to say about slavery? That it was a uh, key element in starting the Civil War. You shouldn't have to ask that, Nikki Haley. But uh, she also put her foot in it on Wednesday when she said this about the invasion on our southern border. Oh, hold on. These people that are wanting to come here, they want to come for a better life, too. They have kids, too. They have a heart, too. They, so we don't need to be disrespectful. We don't need to talk about them as criminals. They're not. They're families that want a better life, and they're desperate to get here. That, but let's keep that, that might be one percent. Okay, maybe five percent. But they're not families desperate to get here. You've seen the video. You've seen the people crossing the border, predominantly men without families and their military age. And we don't know who they are. And we we don't know what they've done back home. And we don't know their medical history. Are they bringing things here disease-wise that we had controlled or eradicated? Two gaffes in, in two weeks, I think that's troublesome. So we shall see what happens on, uh, on the 15th when the Iowa caucus happens, the 10th when the debate happens, and then eventually we'll get around to Super Tuesday. But, you know, they're going to keep, they, the Democrats and their partners in the mainstream media, are going to keep pressing and trying to eliminate Donald Trump from the competition. Can't wait for the Supreme Court to weigh in. I know you can't either. The other thing I want to let you know I'm working on before Wendy gets here, she should be calling any second now. Uh, the other thing I'm working on, and this may surprise you, I'm trying to interview John Fetterman. I know, the Fetter monster, right? I'm trying to interview John Fetterman because after the last few weeks where I realized I'm kind of agreeing with the guy... I need to hear what's going on in his head. Did his brain rewire him from being a, a progressive Democrat to a conservative? We don't know. Or is he just waking up to common sense? You know, we all have that moment where we, we suddenly realize, wait a minute, that's a horrible idea. Well, just on the Robert Menendez thing, the Senator Menendez thing, I take you back to the initial days of Menendez's first indictment before this one came up. And Fetterman was speaking common sense. We have a colleague in the Senate that actually did much more sinister and, and serious kinds of things. Uh, Senator Menendez, uh, he needs to go. Um, and if you are going to expel Santos, how can you allow to somebody like Menendez to remain in the Senate? Exactly. Great point. He also made sense when he talked about allowing China to own land in this country. And let me say, I hope many of our colleagues agree the Chinese government and other U.S. adversaries should own zero, zero agricultural land in our country. I believe that. I mean, they're taking back our pandas. You know, we should take back all of their, their farmland. Well, to be fair, the pandas were on a 10-year deal, so it wasn't like they gave us the pandas. But he's right about China. When you have a communist nation owning land in your country, farmland, which we will probably need to grow food in the very near future, it doesn't make sense. 
And Fetterman also told the truth about Gavin Newsom. That right now there are two, there are two additional Democrats running for Pennsylvania, excuse me, running for president right now. One, one is a congressman from Minnesota. The other one is the governor of California. <laughs> They're both running for president, but only one had the guts to announce it. Yeah, it's uh, all the truth. So John Fetterman is uh, saying things I agree with. Should I be worried? Should I check myself into uh, a mental health facility? I don't think so. I'm happy to say maybe he's drifting towards common sense. And we have put in a couple of requests now to interview the senator. I will go to D.C. if necessary to sit down across from him. I offered to drive to, drive to uh, Braddock, Pennsylvania, to his hometown to talk with him. I will keep you posted. In the meantime, I see she's on hold joining us. Our friend Wendy Patrick is, of course, uh, an author, a public speaker, a prosecutor, and she's my go-to on legal questions. And we talk to her almost every week about crazy stuff. And uh, Wendy, uh, Happy New Year. Glad you're here. I have to ask you, before we get into it, I have lined up some crazy stories from the food court, you know, stories about food and things that happen in the fast food world, or the new laws for 2024. It is a lady's choice. Where would you like to go, Wendy? You know, I think the new laws have really captured the attention. We're all, we, are, we have some great food court episodes. We always do. But, you know, new, new year, new laws. And across the nation, obviously, thousands and thousands and thousands of laws went into practice. But there's always some that are a surprise in different states. And I've read so many different state laws over the last couple of days. And I can tell you, I'm just surprised by a lot of them. But obviously, I'm here in the Golden State, so we always have some surprises here. Okay, well, now that you've teed me up, what's the Golden State law for the new year that surprises you? Well, one of the ones that, you know, we, we sort of knew something like this was coming, but it has to do with employers not being able to ask their employees about off-the-clock marijuana use. Now, remember, since 2016, California has rolled out the green carpet for recreational marijuana. But that doesn't necessarily mean high noon at the office. You have to have rules that uh, that employees have to comply with in terms of when they can use. You know, in the free speech arena, we talk about time, place, and manner. Well, we've got the same kinds of regulations as to what you use in your personal time, but employers are not allowed to ask unless you work in the area of construction, for example, is on the list, or whether you're a federal employee. But generally, what you do on your own time unless it results in you being high at work, is not something an employer can ask about. Yeah, that's interesting to me. And I think we're still in a real squishy area with marijuana use because nobody seems to know how to measure just how stoned somebody is the way we can with blood alcohol content. And I think it's, it's uh, certainly going to be an area for expansion in the law. And a lot of uh, lawyers are going to be... <laughs> be involved in some pretty interesting cases going forward. Uh, I, I'm fascinated by that. I do know in my old home state of Illinois, they used to be able to pull you over if you had something big dangling from your rearview mirror, which also led to a lot of stopping and checking people out. But the fuzzy dice are back. You're not allowed to be stopped just because you have fuzzy dice, which 
makes me laugh because we all had to throw ours out when they ruled them out years ago. You know, Mike, ago. that was another that was another law that caught my attention. Believe it or not, um, I noticed that fuzzy dice law not because I see them everywhere. I certainly did as a kid growing up. You and I probably both remember that. But because it is an issue, you can't have something that's going to obstruct your view because it becomes a driving hazard. So I, for one, was surprised that they brought back the fuzzy dice or whatever you want to call it, that kind of uh, not being able to have something that obstructs your view. Now, I am sure that that, again, is going to be open to some interpretation. I think what they're looking at is wanting to make sure people aren't stopped for just any reason at all. But, you know, it's funny that you and I both kind of seized upon the same laws in different states as being something out of the ordinary. Yeah, we both like wacky laws. That's that's part of it here, Wendy. And speaking of which, there's a wacky lawsuit that caught my attention. So let's wander over to the food court and this class action lawsuit against the Reese's company. Yeah, they make the peanut butter cups that so many of us enjoy. And uh, I remember seeing the Halloween themed or Halloween pumpkin shaped Reese's peanut butter cups, and now somebody's suing the company for $5 million over a $4.95 peanut cup? <laughs> well, I got to tell you, Reese's, that's a big deal. I mean, when you buy those, you want exactly what you bought. You want the flavor to be pleasing. You want the shape to be pleasing. I'm not surprised at the lawsuit. I am surprised at the merits of the lawsuit. You know, you, you talk about, you know, what, what kind of silly things are out there. What I certainly don't want to see, and I've shared this with you before, is I don't want to see people bringing lawsuits for, uh, for just trying to get a settlement. Obviously, that is unethical. You know, you have to bring meritless, you have to bring meritorious lawsuits. Meritless lawsuits are against the ethics rules. But where do you draw the line? I mean, is the shape of the Reese's peanut butter cup, is that something that is, you know, now lawsuit worthy? Most of us would say no. So that's the reason we do want to keep our eye on these wacky laws. You know, you've heard me say nobody likes a slippery slope. You don't want lawyers or litigants sliding down this road to being able to bring a lawsuit because you're displeased in the food court arena for just any reason. But if we didn't have these lawsuits, you know, it had nothing to talk about in this arena. So it is important to mention that. It is important to mention that. But uh, I, I also think if if you're you lose the suit and you had to pay the other side's cost, meaning it was frivolous, it might diminish the numbers of suits. But that's a personal opinion of mine. Um, <laughs> while we're in the food court, Wendy, uh, there was a crazy case that I, I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by. A woman was a, is a manager at a McDonald's, and she thought her staff was treating her badly, dissing her, I believe is the legal term. So she told her husband, and he's a, a, a truck driver who also is a pastor. And he reportedly came in and, and got into a fight with the employees and tried to shove somebody's face in the fryer. I'm sorry, Pastor. You don't deep fat fry somebody. That seems like that's <laughs> that's a bad problem. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, who, it's, it's funny we, that you always illustrate where food court intersects with criminal court because half the time we're discussing a food court episode, it involves using something you used to cook as a weapon and inflicting injury. Um, you know, this is one of the reasons the kitchen is dangerous. You're not just going to come up with a bad recipe. You may actually find a makeshift off-label weapons in the kitchen. And this is one of those instances where you, you have, you know, somebody coming in to potentially make an arrest based on where an assault or a disagreement occurs. So, yes, you and I have seen several of these instances just in the last couple of days 
um, in unlikely places where you can find weapons like scalding water as well. How about that? Yeah, scalding water and uh, a deep fat fryer, very dangerous. And that is why they don't want you running around the kitchens at restaurants. Uh, But Wendy, while you talk about food, we've had cases where people have thrown frozen food at their other half and been arrested for assault. This one is the opposite. This is a news story about a 32-year-old Florida man who was mad that uh, the sandwich he ordered, I guess it was Nashville, it wasn't Florida, that the sandwich he ordered wasn't made right, so he threw a piece of chicken at the worker at the store, and uh, the, the hot chicken wasn't the problem, but the hot sauce, this is the first time I've seen hot sauce could be used in an assault or could be the, the problem in an assault. Yeah, think of, think of if it had been wasabi <laughs> or, oh. or that, that super hot Chinese mustard that you and I probably both like, the kind that just clears your sinuses right out. Um, you know, we, we have seen cases like this in the past where uh, there's a, some unique ingredient um, causes a, let, let's say, a, a severe amount of pain that wouldn't otherwise be there. We also have seen cases where the frozen chicken becomes a projectile. Um, it's like a hockey puck. I mean, you, if something is that hard, this is kind of a different, or, or kind of a different idea. You're not looking at a frozen chicken because it's hard. You're looking at something that is warm and spicy, causing injury. I don't know how well, we could definitely call it a battery, but I think you know the facts matter, and you look at aggravating circumstances, and that would be one of them. And you know, just when you think you've seen it all, uh, we seem to have had a plethora of these food court incidences just within the last several days that have really taken fire. Now, or I should say caught fire in this case when you got the spicy hot sauce. Oh, I see what you did there. Very good. Now, Wendy, if I'm the... I always do that. You, you <laughs> do. You do it all the time. But uh, I, I could see myself, were I the attorney for this defendant, saying to the judge, Your Honor, it's not like we threw a piece of frozen chicken, which could be considered a deadly weapon. We chose... The less lethal option. It's hot sauce, Your Honor. It's like using a taser or a pepper gun instead of using a bullet and maybe plead for mercy that way. What do you think of my argument? You remind me of the guilty with an explanation defendant at traffic court (laughs) that I listened to for years when I used to be a public defender. I did it, but here's why I did it, and at least I didn't do this. Nope, that's still a fine, whether it's an infraction or not. That's funny. I guess the only difference would be the argument whether or not it's a moving violation uh, wouldn't apply when you're trying to justify the choice of food you threw at the victim. How about just not throwing anything? (laughs) How about just not committing the crime to begin with? I think that would be safer. Remember my piece of advice for you, Mike, is always don't be the test case. Yeah, I know. I know. I was just trying to make a, a fringy argument. All right, Wendy, you, you mentioned traffic court. You mentioned the ticket. The next time we talk, I want to go into a story that is just bubbling right now. They are saying, they, the experts out in the world, are saying that self-driving cars cannot get ticketed currently under laws, and I think it's under laws in your state, at least California was mentioned, because the ticket for a moving violation goes to the driver. And if nobody's driving the car, who do you ticket, Wendy? We're going to have to get into this one next time. 
because we're we're Sounds out like of t- we're out of time on this one, and it's uh, it's still just a breaking story. Follow Wendy on social media; she's great on on Twitter X. It's Wendy Patrick PhD, Wendy Patrick PhD, and wherever I am, she's always hanging out with me. Thank you, and happy New Year, my friend. Uh, happy New Year, Mike. And there she goes, and and here I go. I'll be back though Saturday night, seven p.m. Live on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. You can get it online. You can get it via the Odyssey app. And we will cover everything that's happened between now and then. And I mean everything. Till next time, reminding you, testudo, my friends. Testudo.